<laughs> that was an exhortation. <laughs> exhortation. It was good. Awesome. Excellent word. Wasn't that a good word? Good. We love Julia. Hallelujah. Well, we want to pray not only for service, but, you know, it's uh, election time. Did you notice? Yeah. <clears throat> it comes around every few years, doesn't it? So, I'm going to just hold that up in prayer as well. Because all elections are important, but, you know, as a presidential election is, is even more important and critical. So, let's pray. Father, we thank You that we can, uh, that we can gather in Your name. Lord, that we have the freedom... Uh, that you've gifted us with to worship publicly, to uh, live our faith uh, without fear. Uh, Lord, And we thank you for this nation. We thank you for this country. We thank you for the heritage that we have. Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to influence the decision of our government, that we are the government for and by the people. And so we pray that this election, Lord, that you would... uh, Lead people, individuals, to vote according to your will and their conscience, Father. And I pray that pray that for each one of us that our vote would be something that would be uh, that you've in, you've given us, and and we are accountable to you for uh, that we would use it to further your kingdom in whatever minor way that we might be able to influence things, Lord. And we pray for this election, Lord, that your will would be done. Father, I'm not smart enough to figure out what's best, certainly not for all of the different things that are up, uh, but You are. And I pray that You give each and every one of us wisdom uh, so that uh, we can vote according to Your will and according to our conscience and that the results, Lord, are in Your hand ultimately. And we, we, are, we put our trust in God. Uh, and we thank You in Jesus' name. And bless this time as we turn to Your Word as well so that we can learn about uh, how to be your representatives in this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. I do encourage you to, to get informed about the election and to continue to pray for the election because it is serious and uh, uh, not an easy one this year. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm talking about a series on community and citizenship. And I really want to emphasize the, the idea of community. And last week I talked about Jesus presented, Jesus represented when He was on the earth, a very counterculture message. Uh, Jesus came to lead a revolution. All right? And the church exists uh, to lead a revolution. Do you know that you're part of a revolution? Do you believe that? You don't look like it this morning. You are the revolutionary forces. Amen. It is true. It's absolutely true. It's not a political revolution, right? It's a cultural revolution. It's a moral revolution. And in fact, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ has been probably the most influential element in history to change the course of nations over the last 2,000 years. Literally going into nations and changing the course. But it doesn't do it from the top down. You know, Christianity is known as the religion of slaves. Christianity works best among those who are oppressed because they, they call out. They don't rely on their own strength, but they, they call out to God. And, and, and this idea of building a community based on the values and the virtues of Jesus Christ, and that Christ what Christ represent, represented when He's on earth and what He continues to represent as He 
uh, 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 builds His kingdom through the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what you are called. That's what the church is called to be. The influence of the kingdom of God in our community. And so building community uh, is, is really what we need to envision. Even in the election and the choices we make, uh, rather than debating necessarily about what am I going to get out of it or what's best economically for me, what is best for the community? What would best further the, the cares and the concerns that Jesus Christ has for the community? And I understand that a lot of people agree with the same, that agree what the issues are, but disagree about how to, how to solve the issues. But, uh, you know, that's why we need to appeal to someone that's wiser than us and the Holy Spirit to lead us and, and, and to, to walk it out. But we walk it out together. We build community. And so this message series is about how to live, how to express kingdom values in a society or community that's fragmented and segregated and divided. And Jesus wants us to represent something different, not another divisive element within the community. But uh, we as a church, as representatives of Christ, are supposed to bring unity and bring community because we actually have what it takes to bring about a radical change in our society. I believe it's the only thing that can change a nation, change the community, change the course of humanity to bring from further division and fragmentation to a place of healthiness and wholeness and unity. You know, this idea of, of representing Christ in community reminded me of an experience I had a long time ago, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, when I was in college. Uh, you know, like all the college guys. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you have to take phys ed classes, so I took some really tough ones like uh, canoe camping. <coughs> and, and winter camping was, I had a lot of fun. Uh, we went camping. I knew how to camp already, so if I had to do phys ed, I'd do camping. So winter camping, so we were out in the, in the cold, I don't know, it was probably January or February. It was February, Kathy remembers. Okay, all right. Uh, <coughs> Uh, and so we were uh, camping in February up north, not too far. And it was rustic camping. You know, we just went into the forest and cleared an area. The whole thing was about how to survival type camping. And uh, it was at night. It was frigid cold. And we were in a big circle, about 30, probably 30, 35 college students. And someone started the game to uh, start a story. And then each person adds to the story as it goes around the circle, you know. Um, everybody thought that'd be fun. <clears throat> you stand around in the middle of the night, freezing, stand around fire, trying to stay warm, something to do. <clears throat> and of course, it was all college students, so it didn't take more than two or three people, and we're talking about an X-rated graphic novel here, all right? And then everybody just, it was just got more depressing and more uh, vulgar, each person. And I was, you know, born again, on fire. Back when I was in college, I was really on fire. <clears throat> I've, I've actually mellowed a lot. <laughs> so, um, uh, and so I was just kind of waiting, and each person would introduce these new elements, and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to bring this back around to try to say something good, something redemptive, you know, out of this, and not just let it continue going on this trajectory of of how gross and how horrible it could be. 
Um, and sure enough, eventually it became my turn, and I just I started out, and I didn't get more than two or three sentences in, and everyone started jeering and mocking, literally. So it was hard for them to even hear me try to correct some of the wrongs, you know. And, and you know, it wasn't pleasant, but I kind of like that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it didn't bother me. I knew that was going to be their reaction. But I wanted, I, I felt I had to uh, give another end to the story. And maybe I didn't change any of their minds, or maybe I didn't, maybe didn't come across as being as fun. But I, I know one thing that if any one of those individuals in that circle may have struggled with some of the problems that came up, in that story, fictional story, which probably all of them did struggle with one or the other, they know that they could have came to me and heard a different end of the, their story. You know, I represented a different end to the story. And I didn't alienate them. You know, it didn't keep them from uh, uh, a few hours later when we cooked, uh, me and my friends uh, brought all the stuff to cook pizza on the campfire. And while they were all eating frozen trail mix, we were eating hot pizza. I mean, they all came and they wanted to be friends with me then. (laughs) So it's representing Christ-like message in the midst of a divisive culture. And Jesus calls us to represent His message regardless of how different the culture is that we live in. And As Christ followers, we should stand out in a stark contrast. Okay, to life as usual. We really should. And when you do, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to stand out. But it's not a good thing to be segregated and to be separated you know, uh, and to isolate yourself from them. But we need to integrate and infiltrate, even though it may mean that they'll mock you or jeer you at some time. And they'll come for pizza. <laughs> we, as agents of Christ's kingdom... You know, we're, we're called to, to, to initiate and, and to advance the culture of Christ on earth in Kalamazoo right now. Right? And so you need to look for opportunities where you can present that counterculture. We're going to look at Romans 12, 17-21 in the New King James is kind of share some points from this uh, passage that teaches us how to respond. How can we actually do this in a community that's so counter to, to Christ and so sometimes uh, antagonistic to uh, our faith or living righteous. Uh, I'll just read it and then we'll talk about it. Is that all right? <clears throat> all right. Repay no one evil for evil. <clears throat> Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Bless you. But give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will uh, will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's interesting that this passage, what I just read, immediately precedes the next chapter, chapter 13, where Paul goes on to talk about how to relate to government. 
And I think that proper relationship to government is really built on having the character qualities that are expressed in this passage. We have to deal with this personally, how we respond to evil in our personal lives, and that will enable us to deal with it when we encounter it in interaction with governmental authorities and how to relate on that bigger, more societal level. Good citizenship requires good character. Good citizenship, to be a good citizen, requires good character. That's part of the message. That there's, there's no way around that. It's also interesting how similar this passage is to what Jesus spoke in Matthew 5.44 that I, I read to you last week. Uh, Jesus said, I say to you, this is from Matthew 5.44, New King James, love your enemies, <clears throat> bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Okay, so this is the character, this is the culture that Jesus wants to reproduce. This is the culture that Paul is reinforcing when he's teaching, writing to the Romans. And what I'm talking to you about today is that this is the culture that we want to represent in our day. uh, this is how we uh, exhibit Jesus Christ and the kingdom that He uh, is building. I'm just going to take this kind of line by line. And verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. In another translation, the New Living Translation, it puts it this way, <clears throat> Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Everyone say honorable. So people need to see that you're honorable. The Amplified puts it this way. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought. Like I say, take thought. Three of you did it. Great. For what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone, the message puts it really simply. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. So repeat, no one evil for evil. Don't hit back. It sounds simple, but putting that into practice, I understand, is difficult. You know, The idea is easy, but living it is not easy. And Jesus knows that. God knows that. In fact, uh, it requires a supernatural response. See, this is counterculture. This is counter to the way humans normally work. If someone hits you, you hit them back harder. All right? uh, and, 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 and the Bible is saying here, no, don't respond that way. Don't, don't do that. Don't hit back. And it's, it's switching from natural response to supernatural response. All right? In the face of real injustice. When someone does you actually wrong. It's unfortunate that so often people get all bent out of shape and react to when they're not even being wronged. It's just perceived wrong. And then they react out of a perceived wrong and in doing that, they actually do the wrong. That then puts the other person in a place where they have to choose to react. And and, and often it just 
turns out to be this vicious cycle. And God gives us the power through the indwelling Holy Spirit, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, to respond in a supernatural way. How you respond to when someone offends you or treats you in a way that upsets you or hurts you reveals what you really believe in your heart. If you respond by taking it into your own hands to mete out justice, then you really believe that it, it's all up to you. you know, that's, orf, that's an orphan way of thinking. Orphans are born, there's no one in the world that can defend them. And so orphan thinking is that there's no one that can protect me. If I don't stand up for myself, nobody else will. And so someone says something and it hurts and you have to say something back or else you, you know, you'll lose. We're supernatural thinking and, and being in relationship with the Father says, that's okay, I can take it because my Father will defend me. All right? It's a supernatural power that enables you to, to allow the offense to go, you know, not take vengeance, and to live in the power of Christ. The, the power that Christ uh, uh, demonstrated. <clears throat> you know, His behavior in Philippians 2.18, it describes it. I'm going to read from the message. It puts it in a really easy to understand way. Uh, supernatural reaction is how Jesus, having become human, He stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, He lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. So Jesus did not retaliate when He was mistreated. He did not retaliate when He was accused wrongfully. He did not retaliate when He was convicted and crucified. He demonstrated for us how you respond to evil by trusting the Father. Right? Being selfless to the point of death because He trusted that His Father would raise Him from the dead. And that ultimately, there would be justice. So this is not giving up the demand for justice. Right? It's just deciding that I am not going to be the judge. Because you know that you are not worthy to be the judge. Right? It's giving place to wrath. And that you're not taking it in your hand, but you're yielding it to God to mete out justice. Jesus demonstrated that, even though He was worthy. He demonstrated it for us, and He died, yet God raised Him from the dead, and He will come in His rightful place. In the end, justice will be served. But it's served through mercy. See? And that's so much more powerful than when we try to defend ourselves. Or when we just complain and gripe about something. See? Someone does you wrong and you just whine about it. You know, maybe you don't take revenge, but you just whine. What does that reveal? What do, do you believe that God is... What does that reveal about your faith in God, your relationship with God, your trust that He's going to take care of you. Oh, you don't whine. You pray. Blessing on them. Instead, use that energy not to 
perpetuate this vicious cycle, but to redeem it. All right? This is what this verse is talking about. And it, when it says no one, it really means no one. And this, for different people, it's, it's, it different, it's harder for different people. I often find that it's hardest for people that we're closest to. You know, it may be harder for you to not repay evil for evil to your spouse, right, than it is to, you know, someone at work or someone that you don't have to live with every day. But you know, when it's your spouse or when it's a sibling or a parent or a child, and they do the same thing over and over again, and they just and it's just you know they're pushing your buttons. How many have buttons? How many get them pushed? All right. People keep pushing their buttons. Pretty soon you're just like, I'm going to cut their finger off. <laughs> and God says, why don't you disconnect the button? You know? <laughs> the point is, is that if you work this out in your marriage and in the relationship, this is where you need to work this out. You need to, you need to get this solid in your intimate relationships so that you can demonstrate it in the other relationships. Because if it isn't, then it's hypocrisy. Alright? You're faking it. Alright? But if it is worked out in your home, so that when someone says something that hurts, you don't retaliate or shut down or whine, but rather bless them and trust that God's going to work it out in the end and that you're more concerned about community... Right then, if that hap- if that's the way it is in your home, in your, uh, uh, you know, church is a spiritual family. We're we're all look around. We're all kind of similar, aren't we? We all have very similar ideas. Otherwise, we probably we wouldn't be in this room. So th- there really shouldn't be any grudges or offenses between anybody in this congregation. I know it, this church never has that problem. But I, that church down the street, I've heard about them. <laughs> that, that way, I'll point that way. <laughs> that way. <laughs> right? There's no room for anger and unresolved relationship issues in a spiritual family. Because if you can't work it out on this level, how are you ever going to think you're going to work it out when, with someone that actually wants to kill you? Because you're a Christian. I met a man a few years ago. He's a pastor of a church in Burma. For the first five years, when they would walk to church, every Sunday, everyone that would walk into church would be stoned. People would pick up stones and throw them because they knew they were Christians. Literal stones. Every Sunday. None of us have to face that, do we? You know? And what would we do? Would you really stand up? And so we have it too easy. The enemy's strategy in America is make it really easy. And they'll fight amongst themselves. And then and Jesus said, they'll know uh, you're Christians by your love. And so the world looks at the church and says, man, they don't love anybody, especially themselves. You know Why? Because the enemy's got a different strategy. So we need to learn how to work that out in our, in our families, okay, in our church, we, we love one another. We don't repay evil for evil. And then, outwardly, that then gives us a community resource. We have a, a, a network of people that are for us 
So when we go out and somebody really does, man, respond negatively, we can rest in the community that we have so that we don't retaliate. Does that make sense? Okay? And you get encouraged. You don't come back and go, how can we get back at them? Now let's pray together. This happened. This person stole this from me. They lied about me at work. They deceived me. Oh, man, let's pray for them. Okay, let's pray. Pray that off. Yeah. God blessing. That's the community that we're, we're hoping for. But really what we want to do is we want to take these family values that we live amongst ourselves and live those family values amongst everyone. All right? That's the idea. We need to live it amongst ourselves, but then we live the family values, our family, Heavenly Father's values. That's what the verse says. He lets the sun shine and the rain rain on the good and the evil. So we treat everybody like their family. And saying this a lot, you know, treat people that you encounter like they're Christians until they realize that they're not. Don't treat them differently. Okay? Just assume that they're they're believers, you know. And so, so if something comes up, let's pray about it. And they'll go, huh? Well, let's pray. Or share a scripture. Or invite them. Just be yourself. Yeah. Right? And you'll find out a lot of them are, oh, that's powerful. Yeah, let's do it. You know? And some might say, I'm not that. Then you bless them. That's okay. Oh, I didn't know. Great. You know, I am. And really? Yeah. It opens up. You open up your life. Does this make sense? <clears throat> right? This is how we change community. This is how we change society. And frankly, this will have far more power than going into a, a secret little box and making an X and sticking a piece of paper in a box once every couple of years. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Elections are important. But Jesus did not say He was going to transform the world through elections. Right? His method of transforming humanity is through living this. You, 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 me, living this out in our lives. That will change It'll change societies, it changes history, it changes communities, it changes nations, because it changes individuals. All right? um, have rega- regard for good things in the sight of all men. Oh, I meant to go faster, I'm actually going slower. <laughs> I like how the message says, discover beauty in everyone. Uh, the Amplified says, take thought for your words and actions are to be honorable, uh, aiming to be above reproach. And this is just a... a a helpful idea. I'd like to give you practical things you can do. But if you regularly encounter someone that's offensive or that pushes your buttons, and maybe that's your spouse, maybe that's a, one of your kids, maybe it's your parent, you need to think ahead. All right? I've, I've shared this in a lot of counseling sessions. Said, okay, this happens all the time. Yeah, it's, it's, they're constantly doing it. Okay, so you know it's going to happen again. Yeah, they'll do it again. Okay, so what are you going to do different next time? I don't know. Well, let's figure something out. All right? So figure out, precondition yourself. All right? Precondition the response. When this person says this, instead of stiffening up or shutting down or getting angry, you know, I'm going to smile. And I'm going to compliment them. I'm going to find something to compliment them on. You know? That's, that's, that's tapping into that supernatural power. That's being counterculture. That's blessing instead of cursing. But you need to think ahead. That's what the Scripture says. Give thought. Take thought. Think ahead. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I think the second part is brought out in the message, how it's translated in the message. Discover beauty in everyone. Right? Uh, 
In other words, don't always try to be right. Like me. I was born right. For those of you who don't know, my last, my last name is Wright. Try growing up with that. Okay? Yeah. Try marrying that. I'm always right. I was born right. I'll die right. It's just a joke, guys. I'm just joking. <clears throat> um, rather than trying to be right, try to see the right in other people. In other words, okay, maybe you disagree with seven of the ten things they said, but let's talk about the three things you agree on. And develop a relationship based on those three before you try to tackle the things that you disagree. Because if you just aim for the jugular at the things you disagree, you're just going to build an enemy. All right? If you build bridges so that you can discuss, you know, you probably both agree on the problem, you're just disagreeing on the solution. So let's, let's talk about the problem and identify how we can bring it together instead of, instead of a, a fight. Um, <clears throat> and realize, you know, there, everyone, you know, there's no one pro- as perfect as you. I know that's hard. There's no one quite as perfect as you. You just kind of have to learn how to live with that and take it. Uh, you know, Jesus was the only one that, could, that actually applied to. <laughs> and how did he respond? He lived humbly. Right? You have to work to see the beauty in others. <clears throat> Make the interaction. Maybe it's about someone that has a different political viewpoint. Make the interaction more about them. All right? More about what's right in them or what's beautiful than what's wrong. And it will give opportunity. I'm actually talking about how to change the society. But you have to get it on this level in order for the bigger changes to happen. Or else you just shut it down. If at all possible, this is verse 18, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. It's one of the most key verses in the whole of Scripture. And every one of you can obey this. Wherever you are, you can obey this. It doesn't say be at peace. It says as much as depends on you to live peaceably. So regardless of the amount of evil that's happening or antagonistic words or actions or things that people do against you that harms you or hurts you, you know, it doesn't matter because you can respond out of peace. Right? Not if you're relying on your own natural power, but if you tap into the supernatural peace of God that passes understanding, you're not going to get your feathers ruffled. You're not going to try to defend yourself, but you're going to respond for the good of the community. Because you realize it's building the community that represents the culture of Jesus Christ that will really bring about lasting change and not just proving your point, okay, or proving them wrong or protecting yourself. Um, <clears throat> apply this again in your personal relationships, in your marriage, in your family, at church, and then work that outward so that you're consistent inside and outside. So you love them and you demonstrate people who are different than you uh, uh, in the same way that you treat the people that are like you. That's how you live uh, a non-segregated life. Amen? Okay, a couple more points here. Um, Verse 19, it says, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. message says, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging. I'll take care of it. 
I'll take care of it, the Father says. Uh, and it's that trusting that the Father is going to, to, to defend you. That uh, your position, your property, your peace, your, your, everything about you is in the Father's hand. And you can trust Him and not try to avenge yourself. <clears throat> uh, give place to wrath. It uh, brings to mind the verse in Ephesians chapter 4.26 where Paul wrote to that church. He said, Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So in that verse, we're told to resolve anger issues before the sun sets. And if you don't, then you're actually giving room to the devil in your life. Now, resolving the anger may mean talking to the person and working it out. But it may just mean forgiving them. You know, somebody does something or says something that makes you angry. How do you resolve that? You go, God, that person made me angry. I just release them. They said these things about me. I don't understand why, but I just release them. I release it in Jesus' name. I bless them. Help them uh, be at peace in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, the feeling of anger goes. But if you don't resolve that, unresolved anger just builds. It crystallizes. It sharpens. And it hurts you. Right? But what the Bible says is it actually gives room to the devil. You say, come on in, devil. I want to make a place for you. And the devil will accept your invitation. He's eager to come into your life. And he'll use that anger and those hurt emotions to continually cause strife in your life until you forgive, until you deal with the anger. Alright? <clears throat> so, um, and the second way we understand it, so one is, Deal with things. Being angry in and of itself uh, is an emotional response to real or perceived uh, injustice. <clears throat> and that's, that's okay. It's how you respond to that that's important. And you respond by forgiving and resolving it. And the second part of that is that we need to understand that only God can avenge the wrong. He's the judge. When we attempt to take His place, then we become the problem. Is you see? You know, if we become the judge of who's right and wrong, then we're the problem. So it doesn't, now the problem isn't that so-and-so said something or did something to hurt me. Now the problem is, is that I am taking God's place and calling judgment down on them. Now we don't say it because we know that it's not right, but in our heart we feel it. And then we manifest it and it changes how we react to people and that sets off that the cycle. And, and again, I'm talking like we need to resolve this in our relationships with our, our family members and church members, but people at work and then people who are, are really culturally different. And if you're not familiar with being in the midst of uh, places that are significantly culturally different, find places and go there. You know, and, and talk to people that, that are on the other side, politically, or a significant racial difference, or from a different country, and get to know them. Okay, I want to keep going. <clears throat> um, Romans 12:20 says, "If your en- enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head." This message puts it this way. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, give him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. You know what this says to me? This says that 
We need to be close enough in relationship to our enemies that we know, that we know their needs. Alright? Who's your enemy? And if you don't think you have any, it's probably because you've just cut yourself out of them. You've cut them out of your life. You've cut yourself out of their... You know, you just isolate yourself. You've segregated yourself rather than integrated yourself. So question number one, who's your enemy? Question number two, are you close enough in relationship to them to know what their needs are, needs that you can meet? All right? That's the culture that Jesus Christ wants us to build on earth. And that's the type of culture that will radically transform this nation. We need to vote according to our conscience. But we, more importantly than that, it's getting to know people that have difference of opinions to the point that we can bless them. We can take them out to eat. We can hear their story. We can meet their needs. And then it will open opportunity for us to find out what the real issues are and maybe reveal our own prejudices and misconceptions. Alright? Amen? <clears throat> Alright? So, find your, identify your enemy. Meet their needs. Give them what you have with no expectation of return. That's living counterculture. What about the coals of fire? Well, hopefully, what, they will respond to your good by being convicted. And they'll say, wow, maybe I need to change too. It'll, it'll, it'll burn their conscience to the point that they'll change. And if they don't, then it's God's issue to deal with it. Okay? They'll, they'll face God. It concludes with verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right? This is the answer. All right? That, yes, there's evil. I believe in evil. I've encountered evil. Real evil stuff. And there's evil in our society. But God calls us to be agents that overcome evil with good. Amen. All right. Julie's got some announcements. Thank you, Pastor. Woo.